Welcome back to the Fangirl Forum. I'm your host, Meredith Loftus, a.k.a. your friendly neighborhood fangirl. 2020 is finally coming to a close. Like, real talk, who would have thought this year would turn out the way that it did? Even now as I'm recording this, there is still time. Still time for things to get crazier. Not trying to jinx anything, but just, you know, 2020. However... (laughs) To close out this year, I wanted my last episode of this crazy year to look back on a film that came out a year ago, and it literally changed the world. It set Twitter ablaze, stirring its own kind of controversy, even even calling for a new cut of the movie. No, I'm not talking about Star Wars, and no, I'm not talking about the Snyder Cut. Of course, of course, I'm talking about Cats. The Academy Award-winning director's Tom Hooper's theatrical adaptation of the hit Broadway musical, which includes the all-star cast of Idris Elba, Judy Dench, Jennifer Hudson, Taylor Swift, and that's barely cat-scratching the surface. As always, I am not alone. Joining me at the Jellicle Ball tonight are not one, but two guests. First up, he's one of the hosts of in out delete podcast and he is a fellow jellicle give it up for a first time guest robert Meza. how are you i'm great thank you for having me and i'm super excited to be talking about this movie i am so excited that you're here and also returning to the fangirl forum friend of the show welcome back ernie moreno how are you ernie i'm great i wish she was under better circumstances <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean? Just, you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not, I'm not trying to foreshadow anything, but I'm not as hyped about this movie as the two of you are. I think that's putting it very lightly. I think that's putting it very mildly. (laughs) I still think this is going to be great. So listeners, in case you haven't noticed, Robert and I, we are fans of cats. Correct. Ernie is not, and for the months leading up to Cats coming out, and then after Cats coming out, we sat and listened to Ernie just say just about, like, how dumb this movie looked without even seeing it for himself, you know, just making blanket judgments as he does, you know? And Ernie, I wanted to share this with you because this is literally how crazy 2020 has gone. Robert and I had planned to surprise you to get you to watch Cats back in like March. I talked oh. with your wife. Um, <laughs> what? You guys put it are in my calendar as beautiful ghosts. That's literally the weekend, the first weekend of working from home. This was set in place. We had different coworkers involved who were going to be at your house, and we were going to make you watch Cats. Shut up. Is hey, we're going we're gonna to ambush you. And my wife wasn't on this? Yes. That's why, that's... I, that's why I had purchased the movie um, digitally on Amazon, because we were going to watch it at your house. That's grounds for divorce. <laughs> <laughs> More like wife MVP right there, you know? Oh like, she was God. in on it. She, she was so excited to surprise you and prank oh you in God. this way. And, I mean, still kudos to her for... This is... This is why my wife doesn't prank me. They just, they don't work out for her. They just don't. 
like the country shut down to prevent this. Like literally, yeah, <laughs> you dodged a bullet. <laughs> Not trying or, to make light of the situation, but it saved you. It did, but also I would argue that if the world had accepted cats the way it was meant to be, I don't think 2020 would have turned out the way that it did. You're I putting think it 2020 on 2020 was a reaction to the oh. world rejecting cats. No, it, the world was rejecting cats and came up with like this sickness that's what happened that it actually came out <laughs> i can't i mean if I'm you think really about going, it i'm things still really did start kind of going south when the after the movie released like that you could align it that way yeah <laughs> oh my god i mean that's when you know oh i think there's this uh virus that's in china right now that is starting to bubble up a bit more and then oh we went god. to the academy awards and then here we are Oh my god. So what happens when the butthole version comes out? <laughs> Nature will begin yeah. to heal. <laughs> That's when everything will be corrected, right? Yes. Oh my god, this is un- this is unfathomable. I can't believe I dodged that huge bullet. I would have had to watch it with you guys. We like, were so excited. Like, it yeah. would have been, oh been the highlight of my year for sure. I okay. Mean, I know that's pretty grim, but I was oh. so looking forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just preface this before everybody jumps on me because I'm sure some of your viewers are. And they're jumping on me is like, oh, another guy that hates musicals. He just isn't like part of that language. Everything that's not true. You know, when we went to New York, we saw two. When we went on our vacation to um, New York a couple of years back, me and the wife literally went to go watch. We were trying to get tickets to Book of Mormon, mm-hmm. but we had tickets to Phantom, which is like spectacular. And that movie is super dated because like the music is very synthesized and everything. So I'm a huge, I, I love going to watch musicals, Lion King, uh, Wicked, some of the other ones I've seen. Chicago has been one that I've been trying to watch forever because it's, it's was literally a, my favorite movie of that year. Mm. So I'm a huge fan of musicals, especially ones with cat, catching music. So just that as a preface, like a, a that's where I'm at, mm, right? Okay. So don't say I don't like musicals. Just, ugh, we, we, okay, I'll wait, I'll wait till we actually start talking. But just know that I'm, I do like musicals. I'm not just a guy that doesn't like either movies or musicals. What about you, Robert? Would you say that you are typically a fan of musicals? Like where, where do you land on that? I am a big, huge fan of uh, film musicals. I've never been to a Broadway show, although I would love to go. But for as far as film musicals go, I love them. Like I typically, I don't, I can't recall like one that I haven't enjoyed. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like, I was very much looking forward to this movie, you know, for many different reasons. But just the fact that it was a musical, I I, I was really in on that. Yeah. So I grew up watching film musicals and seeing, you know, musicals on Broadway. Some of my favorite movies growing up were Annie, The Sound of Music, and My Fair Lady. When I was in high school, I saw Wicked and Cats on Broadway. So, Or not on Broadway. It was touring. But I still saw Cats. I've seen Book of Mormon on Broadway. I've seen Wicked a couple times on Broadway. I love them. So when this got announced that they were doing cats, I was like, okay, 
we'll see how this because I did love Les Mis. Les Mis I was obsessed with when Tom Hooper did that. So it's like, oh, he's doing cats. Sure, why not? Like it's a musical about nothing. Let's see how this goes. And boy, boy, boy did he deliver something. <laughs> No, I'm not as familiar with Tom Hooper as the rest of you are. Mm Because I didn't watch Les Mis. It's one of those musicals that musical people love. You know what I mean? Like film, uh, like you could say the same same thing about filmmakers. There are some movies that are like director movies. They're for directors and they were made because directors have their little, you know, quips and everything. He's like, this is a movie for them. That's the same kind of thinking when people go to Les Mis. Because I've watched it. Uh, perform several times the music's fine but it's just it's, it's not as uh i don't know it doesn't catch me the same way as some of these other musicals oh man like when i saw it in london i cried you know you saw it in london yes that must have been insane it was the movie? A, I, i've seen <laughs> i've seen the movie and i've seen it the show production in london and it okay. was incredible Les Mis is one of those like top tier musicals that, you know, has stood the test of time at this point and will always be revered as like this great piece of music. So what so, kind of director is Tom Hooper? He's, uh, he's, I think he's he gets criticized a lot for like his directing style, because like if you notice like the way he frames shots, they're very odd. Like a lot of times he'll like tilt the, the camera. There'll be a lot of like empty space and stuff like that. But overall, I think he's, I, I am a fan of his movies, especially this one called The Damn United. It's about a soccer coach in England. I'm not a big fan of The King's Speech. I, I thought it was okay. Les Mis is one of the first musicals that I was introduced to because I used to take music classes in, in like junior high and high school where we just learned about the history because I couldn't play an instrument, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, <laughs> and our teacher like, what are you going to do? Just watch musicals, right? And you just put on musicals. And Les Mis was one that he put on it. And ever since I've been young, ever since I was young, I've loved the music from it. So I like the music from it. I can't say I like, I love the film that he made. Um, it's very like dark and gritty, you know? Mm-hmm. And like as a musical, I don't know if that works, if that style works to sell the, the songs, but it was very successful, right? They had a, it was nominated for a bunch of awards. Oh yeah, made a lot of money. I think Anne Hathaway won, right? Anne Hathaway yeah. won for best supporting actress. Yeah, I so I disagree. I actually really enjoy the King's Speech because I'm a sucker for like those type of British period pieces about the monarchy. Like I can't get enough. So that was my introduction to Tom Hooper, and when Les Mis came out, I was pretty obsessed with it because this was the first time like I have seen a musical done this way before I definitely have some criticisms of how they did it but I do like the fact that they kept it like this is a world where like pretty much everything was sung out they sung it live on set and just had like music playing in their ear and I thought the performances really well like Hugh Jackman as Jean Valjean was great to me and there were some okay yes the way tom hooper like frames of shots are very unique but something that i found really frustrating was like some of his unnecessary like zoomed in shots on people's faces very like the wide angle lens is just kind of like 
Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just like, I don't need to be this close to know how they're feeling right now. Like I know they're depressed right now. It's late miss. So and that and therein lies the the weirdness in that movie, right? Because all of the thing about musicals is they're written in a way where if somebody is feeling sad, they have to scream it to the mountaintops that they're sad, which reverberates in the music, right? So what better thing to do than when somebody's having this big grand moment to zoom in on their face that much and then just, you know, so much so that you can see the pores in their head. It's kind of, you know, jarring, isn't it? I mean, Hugh Hugh Jigman is a very handsome person, but I don't need to see his nose hairs. You know what I mean? Especially that movie, because it's it's, the way he stages the movie it's not like a traditional musical, like a film musical, right? Mm-hmm. It's more like a, just like a regular drama. And when they break out in a song, it makes it kind of weird. Um, right. But just, I think this will give you an idea of what my feelings are towards Cats. But despite my issues with the technical aspects of Les Mis, I love watching it because I love the music. Like, I love the songs. Right? Like, I'll sit through it because I like to listen to the songs. You know, everything else really doesn't. Doesn't really matter. Plus, the it's all, music is catchy. Yeah. yeah. But it's also fun watching like Sasha Baron Cohen sing Master of the House. Oh my God. I forgot he was in that. <laughs> he and Helena Bonham Carter are married in that movie. It's so great. So also, she Aaron dies, right? She dies. No, oh, okay. she doesn't die. She always dies in everything. That's why I'm shocked that she's not dead in this. Helena Bonham Carter doesn't die in everything. Oh, maybe I'm, uh, yeah, maybe I'm projecting that. I don't know. Yeah, you are projecting that, and I do not appreciate that. (laughs) But, all right, we are not here for Les Mis. We're not here for Tom Hooper. We're here for Cats, so. Well, technically, it's Tom Hooper. It technically is, but we're going to talk about Cats, okay? I have assembled the two of you here so that we can really get into the weeds about so, first question for y'all: What is a jellical cat? Oh, Robert, why don't you field the first? The first. Uh, you know, I have, I I have seen this movie three times now. I have done research online, <laughs> um, and I don't really know. I what what is a jellical cat? It's they have a whole song about it in the beginning, but it doesn't really get. <laughs> I'm not very clear on it. I guess it's a cat who can sing. I think that's the easiest answer. Am I wrong there? I think the beauty of oh. a jellical cat is that there is no one thing to define a jellical cat. So I think that's a worthy uh, definition of a jellical cat. Ernie, Mer- what about you? Meredith, that's how people define themselves in cults. Just <laughs> FYI. It's, like, it's really hard to nail down what it means to be uh, part of uh you We're know, not talking cult. about Nexium right now. Okay? Uh, but Nexium is kind of for the language they're using here. See, the jellical, the the jellical thing to me is a way to just mask what it really is. It's like we're just all part of this weird cult that likes to sing in this thing, and we euthanize one of us every so often. <laughs> That's what it seems like to me because every every definition I looked up, like I was with Robert, I was looking up shit all the time i was like what is, what the hell is the definition i even combed through the lyrics about what it is and it's like it can be anything essentially but the only thing that it truly is is that everybody who participates in this weird cult is a jellical cat yeah i mean that's the only like solid thing i could define <laughs> this whole thing as and then like 
Judy Dench at the end, she's like, I think you are Jill. She's like, yeah, she went to the meeting. She did this whole thing. They killed one of them. Yeah, that's exactly what this is. (laughs) You're part of, you're one of us now. (laughs) One of us, one of us. As close as a definition can get to a Jellicle cat, I mean, I looked to the almighty Wikipedia page, and basically it sounds like T.S. Eliot had a niece, and the way she would say, dear little cats, it would come out as Jellicle cats. So uh, that's as close to a definition as I can get to a jellical cat. I think they are a unique breed of cats that can do extraordinary things. They come together once a year as their own pride of cats. I don't know a better group name for a group of cats other than that. So I think a pride is is good. I think yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. They come together and they are uniquely skilled and they have special names that are not just like fluffy or princess. It's like Mungo Jerry and Mr. Mistopheles. It's just they're in a league of their own. And honestly, who doesn't want to be a jellical cat? That's a very sweet definition. I'll take that over the cult thing. <laughs> when you're looking at it with a clear mind. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, boy. Um, Meredith, can you give us a synopsis of this thing? Is that even possible? Sure. There's like story cats. to it. I mean, so here's, very tur- <laughs> here's, here's the deal with Cats. Cats, the musical itself, is a musical without a plot. It's just about a bunch of cats that are getting introduced. There's this thing called the Jellicle Ball. One of them is chosen, and that's kind of it. There is no plot to it mm-hmm. outside of that. The movie has added a plot to this, which I didn't think was possible, but they did. You call that a plot? it's totally a plot they have added the fact that McCavity was because in the musical McCavity does get uh steal old deuteronomy away gotcha but he's stealing jenny any dots gus the theater cat uh bustopher jones and old deuteronomy so that he can be the jellical choice there's also this love subplot between Victoria and Mr. Mistopheles. At one point, you think there's an orgy that's about to happen. Jennifer Hudson <laughs> wind, shows up happens. and sings her heart out, and she is chosen as the Jellicle choice. And then it's daytime, and it's all over. And Victoria is now part of the Jellicle cats. The end. Yeah, that's basically what happened. It, it, see, that's, that's why I don't define it as a plot. It's just stuff that happens. It's not really, but it's more than just like introducing cats and then it's over. Like it kind of is there and introducing. It's a simple story. Yeah, it's a simple story, but it (laughs) is a plot nonetheless. Yeah, (laughs) it's like look at this horse; it crossed a field. That's not a plot. Okay, (laughs) I I watched a play, Waiting for Godot, with Sir Patrick Stewart and Sir Ian McKellen, and that is a play that I think is doesn't have much of a plot. It's just two old men waiting for a guy named Godot, and 
but that is revered as something great. So why can't cats be just as great as waiting for Godot? That's what I'm saying. Because of all the subtext there. That play is like known for its subtext and for um, the chops of the actors that play it to portray that. Because there's no, if you read it as is, yeah, it doesn't seem like it. It's all in subtext. This movie has no subtext. Because it's but, a musical. But there, you talk about <laughs> you talk about the skill of great actors. We're pulling in an all-star cast for this movie. This isn't a point to this the, is let me talking, just put this. We're this talking is not about Judy Dench. We're talking about <laughs> Sir Ian McCallan. You've got Idris Elba in there. Yeah. Like there is some high quality actors oh, in this Hudson. movie. <laughs> Jennifer Hudson, Academy Award winning actors and actresses are in this. Yeah, no, totally. But and as Jason a, Derulo as well. Why you not? Know, Jason Derulo is not a point in your favor. Let's just be honest, but he's a great it's singer. It's not the worst and, point, no, that's for point sure. For, and Robert will back me up on this. I know this, but like, just because a movie has an all-star cast, sometimes that's worse off than anything else. Uh, movies like New Year's Day, movies like Valentine's Day that have like 30 odd super talented people in them. Yeah, but they're they just like, come off as terrible. But they're ripping I mean, yeah, off but... the British because they because they're just trying to recreate love actually, and you just can't <laughs> you can't replicate that magic. Yeah, throwing a cast as big cast in a movie is not necessarily does not equal a great movie. Yeah, but... most of the time it does. It's like you're just you're just fo- you're just too focused on oh look there's Jane Doody Dench and there's Jason Drew. And I do agree that that some of the names in this movie do kind of. Um, make it worse, I think. But I haven't given my full opinion on this. I don't no, know no, of course not. But I, yeah. I'm saying, but, I'm not um, saying that about the movie. I'm just saying this does not qualify a good movie. Okay, well, oh, okay, let's think, let's yeah. get into what we thought of this movie. So, Robert, you saw Cats when it came out a year ago at this point. What what was your initial reaction to Cats? What's it, what has it been like rewatching Cats? I think I saw it. Uh, I think I saw it opening day or opening weekend for sure. I think we had to back up a little bit further. I knew really nothing about Cats going in. I knew that it existed. Um, I think I first heard about it in the Kevin Smith movie Jersey Girl, where Ben Affleck's daughter like it's like a running gag where she wants to see cats, and Ben Affleck <laughs> has to tell her like, "Oh, it's not around anymore." And then in um, the movie Funny People one of the girls in that movie sings the song. Like there's a tape of her singing the song. That's the first time I heard memory. But really, I think my first exposure was that trailer, the trailer that came out. And when that trailer came out, I remember it was in our office, like we all worked together and it just spread like wildfire. And we couldn't believe what we were seeing. And we're all just laughing and making fun of it. And it was just so entertaining, like laughing at that, like looking at that, you know, it's like a big train wreck. That like I thought to myself like I have to watch this movie because if if this two minute trailer is giving me this much entertainment, imagine a two hour long movie. Like I'm gonna love it, like whether it's good or bad. So I was there opening day, and it's so strange because like it's it's a movie that I both like ironically and not ironically. Like I recognize there are stuff a lot. I I I like the music in this like. That's one thing that that stuck out. Like I really enjoyed the songs, and there are sequences in there that I do think work, like visually. 
But on the other hand, I do recognize that it is, it is kind of like a failed lab experiment because it just doesn't look right. It, the, the, the way they visualize the cats and like the, the human aspects of them, it just, it makes it seem so weird and it just takes you out of it. You can't connect to the, the characters because they just look so odd. Like they look like monsters. <laughs> um, so it's kind of scary, but I love like you mentioned it, like the synth, the synthy music. Like I love all that. Like I think it has an interesting visual style too. Like all the neon colors, it's like you're inside an '80s arcade. Um, so overall, I can't deny that I love this movie. Like for the, all the good and the bad that it has. Uh, rewatching it, uh, we went to a rowdy screen where. Oh yeah, it's a bunch yeah. of people. That, <laughs> that was my first rewatch, and it's just a bunch of people that that love it whether they're they love it genuinely or they're in on the joke you know i think that solidified my love for the movie like i and watching it at home though it was a little bit weird because i had been listening to the the songs like just on spotify and in the movie they're mixed a lot differently and it's just it makes it even weirder (laughs) but i you know overall i do like this movie i mean i do love this movie i really enjoy it like it really makes me feel happy watching it. So whether the movie itself is actually good or bad is irrelevant, you know, because I get so much enjoyment out of it. Thank you for that, Robert. <laughs> Man, but isn't that the point of the movies though? Yeah. Whether it's like good or bad, if it, like my dad likes to say, if it makes me feel good at the end of it, then like it's done its job. That, so That's what it is. Cause you don't go to a movie and like, well, let me check off like, yeah, it has a good script. It has good acting. You don't do that. You just feel right. And I feel very happy when I watch this. <laughs> I don't do drugs, by the way. <laughs> Wait, a it feels good, do it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's always a Simpsons quote, isn't there, Robert? I should have included that in your intro. Like, has a Simpsons quote for everything. There Robert really Mesa. is a Simpsons quote for everything. Anyways, those are my thoughts. Uh, what do you yeah. guys think? I feel like Meredith should go next. I think it should be like the two, like two really positive points. Well, more than that, I think like, because we watched it when it came out a year ago and you were just exposed to it just recently, if it's cool with you. So uh, I was not in the office when the trailer came out. Let me just specify. I had just left for a family reunion when the trailer dropped. But my exposure to cats goes back even further than when I saw it in high school. So uh, there's this movie called School of Rock and Miranda Cosgrove's character, she sings Memory because she wanted to be a backup singer. So that was my first exposure to cats. And then when I was in middle school, I was in like a music class and we learned the Mr. Mistopheles song. And then we watched the nineties stage recording of cats in class. So I had technically seen cats and then I saw it on stage. So cats was around. It wasn't like my favorite musical by any means, but I mean, it was enjoyable. The stuff leading up to the trailer I was really excited about, I started getting excited about cats because they were talking about dancing, which I feel like that has been just like an aspect missing from good musicals is like, there's also incredible dancing. And I feel like musicals have become so much more about like 
the singing performance of it. So when they were like saying, oh, the choreographer from Hamilton is doing the choreography, I'm like, ooh, they're going to care about dance. And the way they were talking about it, I'm like, dang it, I'm really going to like Cats. And then the trailer dropped and I was like, oh my goodness, this can't be the final product, you know? Cause they were like, it came, the trailer came out in July. It was coming out in December. Like, were they going to fine tooth it? Like how they did the genie, like Will Smith's genie, because the first trailer, he looked terrible, but in the movie, he looked great. So I'm like, are they going to fine tooth it? Are they going to make yeah, I was like, okay, is this going to happen? So I didn't watch Cats when it first came out. I did a double feature of movies before New Year's. I saw Little Women and I saw Cats. And uh, let me tell you, I'm glad I watched Little Women first and had a glass of wine before I started watching Cats because once that movie started, you're just, I had to just give up any expectation. I was like, I'm just along for the ride. Cats has never been about anything. Let's just see what happens. And I enjoyed it because I gave up. I was like, Cats is going to do its own thing. It's got its own rules. And you know what? I'm here for it. Sure, every five minutes you think there's about to be an orgy. And sure, there are cats who are taking off jackets like fur jackets and they like, where did those jackets come from? And why do some cats have shoes on and the other ones don't like, there's a lot of questions, but when you give it up, it's just like, this is great. It's fun. It's cats. And so I saw it and I enjoyed it and I shared that at work and Robert and I went to a rowdy screening. And I think that's the best way to watch cats because you're in there, you know what you're about to watch, and you get to just react to it. And it's just a fun experience. So I really, that was my favorite way to watch Cats. That solidified like, oh yeah, I like Cats. So when I watched it for the third time for this podcast, like Robert, like I did feel weird watching it just like in my apartment, not with an audience or anything because- that's when the the realization of how not great of a movie it actually is really settles in. But I think there are ways to make it enjoyable to watch it. But I see Cats as like our generation's Rocky Horror Picture Show. I just see this thing becoming its own cult classic that like Alamo Drafthouse will continue to do rowdy screenings once a year and people will get dressed up like cats and like it'll just be a fun thing that people get to do. I am happy to say I will be one of those people like, yeah, I saw it when it came out during its initial theatrical run and it's great, you know? So, I mean, overall, it's not my favorite movie musical, but it's still enjoyable and I'm just really happy that all of this happened so that Ernie could watch Cats. So. And Ernie definitely watched Cats. Ugh. Yes, uh. he did. <laughs> Honestly, like, whatever you say at this point, it doesn't matter. Robert and I won because you watched Cats. But it, yeah. it, it, listen, anybody who's hearing my voice know that I'm a whore for attention, especially this kind of stuff. So if Meredith pulled it out of her hat and she's just like, fine. I know the one thing that Ernie always wants to do is be on podcasts 
and do this and that. I was like, that she has to have me on to get me to watch it. So I mean, I just you, know, you don't like having me on here all that much. <laughs> That's not true. I thought the last time you were on, it was a fun yes, conversation. There was, was lots of yelling. but that's that's what happens when you and Brianna get together. You just like, yeah, that's that's very true. But it's funny that you compare this movie to the Rocky Horror Picture Show, because watching Rocky Horror Picture on its own is taxing because you're just waiting for the musical parts. Honestly, (laughs) (laughs) the acting gets in the way. You're just waiting for the music. Right. I think everybody kind of can admit that. But it's okay with the two of you. I'd like to give my little review. It is time. So, Ernie, yeah. the floor is yours. So here's the difference between Meredith, Robert, and myself is that I first got exposed to Cats on the Simpsons as like this musical thing that Bart and Milhouse go to watch, right? Because they're on a squishy bender and they just go and watch Cats because that's an expensive thing to do. And apparently they're in, it's touring in Springfield or at least capital. I don't even know if they made it to capital city, but that's how I got introduced to cats. And then throughout any number of like nineties or eighties comedies, the cliche is always an actor that has to do a musical part. Whenever they start to sing memories, people cut them off and say, okay, thank you. It was almost like this weird thing that people hated, but that every actor knew somehow. So that's like, that was my initial introduction to it it's like it's a thing that musical people like but not everybody likes it or it's been overdone or something like that so when robert and uh meredith saw this thing i was like why is everybody making such a big deal out of this cats the musical blah blah blah. but when i actually saw the trailer i was like this is horrendous this is awful as a not as i'm not a special effects guy but i'm an after effects guy so i do a lot of motion graphics i wouldn't be able to turn something like that in like the way the faces just kind of move around on the body is so distracting and so awful. It's, it's nails on a chalkboard bad. Right. So I'm, I'm watching this trailer with everybody. And I was like, this is fucking awful. Who greenlit this? And apparently I learned that Tom Hooper is kind of a person that just kind of does whatever he wants. And he tries to whatever sentiment is trying to be done. He tries to do the complete opposite. So when I watched like clips of Les Mis, that's exactly what happened. You're talking about this like really bad, dreary, awful part of the French Revolution in Les Mis. And, you, and you're making it, you're trying to bring like this joyful sound into it. And then you zoom in on people's faces a lot and use a lot of fish. I was like, this is so weird and jarring. And then when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, okay. So that kind of makes sense. He's trying to do the same thing. He's, he's the guy that does this, right? And then I watched it after, a, I think it was almost four or five months of the two of you being like, you got to watch it. You're going to watch it. I, you got to watch it, blah, blah, blah. And I, apparently this plot was happening behind the scenes to get me to watch it. I don't know how you were going to get me there to watch something. There like was that. a plan. I, I understand that, but I don't know how you got my wife to agree to this. I don't know if I was going to be blindfolded or handcuffed. I don't know how far this conspiracy went. But I'm not going to give any of that oh away. That's God. for I'm sure. I'm grill my wife after this. And one of the terms of the divorce is going to be, you have to tell me the plot. Of the- anyway, so I watched it. And I got to tell you, watching this by myself at, what was it, 11 o'clock at night, I'm kind of a, I'm a night owl. So 
I, I usually watch these things so I can, you know, turn down all the lights. Nobody's, you know, my kid's asleep. The wife's usually asleep. Um, and I'm just watching this thing. And it's, it's, it's pretty awful, ex- except for like two big things. Two things really stood out to me that I liked about this movie. One is the, the music, obviously. I think the music, everybody kind of says, even if you don't like the music in terms of like, oh, it's catchy, you can still appreciate the people that are putting their voices to this and the musical score. I forget who did the music, but it's probably somebody huge. Uh, I mean, this is all from Andrew Lloyd Webber. Okay. So. Okay. So yeah. Um, and then the part that I actually liked was not necessarily the directing, but it has more to do with the technical part of it. So the way they set up the set of this thing is all kind of in one oval space where you have the milk bar on the right. You have the, uh, what is the, the pyramid theater? It put, right? The Egyptian theater. The Egyptian theater. Sorry. You have weird rebel Wilson's house on the right and then the twins house i think one block over and then you have the plaza right so it's all set up to kind of mimic the way that you would see a play in real life in that you the spaces are all very well defined as opposed to how a regular movie would do it where these things would be in actual places throughout the city right everything's conveniently located right next to each other as would be a play like if you go and you watch something like avenue q everybody's house is right next to each other because you need to do that for the plot and you have a very limited space so the whole thing is set up that way which i thought was very clever i like how every section of the movie kind of just moves around this set and then ends in the same place which is the the plaza um that's one part i really really thought was cool because he kind of tried to merge the two points of this movie that it's a musical but it's also like this is an opportunity to really kick up the visuals that you can't do in real life which is something that i really enjoyed uh from uh for another musical that was really good which was chicago never seen the musical but people who have told me about when they watch the musical and then they watch the movie they're like the movie adds so much because you can cut between these really highfalutin budgets and then back to like a real story and that i enjoyed about cats so I'm starting off with that because that's what I liked about the movie. <laughs> that's about it as far as very positive. Yeah. That is it's pretty positive. positive. Yeah. It's very positive because as a, I, I wouldn't consider myself like a, 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 C, a CG guy or anything like that, but I am a very visual person. So those kind of things stand out to me. And like Robert said in his, I kind of want to echo his sentiment where he's talking about the colors and talking about like the contrast between everything. It's very good. It's very well defined. Even his shots, the way that some of them are planned out, really give you a feeling of the space. When, uh, shoot, there's so many people in this that I hate. Um, not Rebel Wilson, but who's the other fat cat? Buster Jones, played by James Corden. James Corden, thank you. So his bit starts like kind of in his place and then goes through the alley and then makes its way back to the street. So because of the way it was shot, the whole thing you can kind of see in your head if you're if you're watching this thing you can see it go behind the alley and everything like i love the way that's done because it always just reverts back to that to the center place there on the street where all four of these kind of main areas are so i really like that about the story it just all feels it makes you familiar with the space right away but the bad things about this movie where first of all the all-star cast really bugged me it really did because not everybody who was cast is known for their voice. N- really not. 
right? I don't know Rebel Wilson as a voice person, right? Am I right about that? Or it's like, she's yeah. she's barely a comedian in my, in my opinion. But, you know, they just didn't have like the, the, I didn't feel like they had the chops for this. And I'm like, why are you casting this person if they don't have the chops? They don't have the voice for this, right? And then Idris Elba doesn't really have a voice either. I just, at least, whatever he's a Coachella he was to, DJ, okay? That's not, that's not exactly what I'm talking about. Where the general <laughs> person who can carry a tune, like, I'm not, I'm not trying to bag on him. I'm just saying maybe he wasn't really the choice for this. You got other people like he's got to stand next to somebody like Jason Derulo, and I like Jason Derulo a lot. I'm a big fan of his music, but he's not this type of singer, right? And the music isn't like it was adapted to how he sings or anything, because it's all synthy and weird and all that stuff. So it's 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 really jarring when it comes to like I hear him and then Ian McKellen's part. I was like, is it supposed to sound like this? Because I know his cat is obviously aged. His cat has been doing this for a long, long time and hasn't been chosen to be Jellicle. But is it supposed to sound that bad? Like you've watched, Meredith's watched the the play, right? Yeah. Robert hasn't, right? In the play, is it supposed to sound like this? I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen it. <laughs> But I would also agree that I don't think Sir Ian McKellen's voice lends well to this type of musical. So, uh, so, so this is like that's that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, but by the way, Ian McKellen's probably one of my favorite actors from the last ten years. He's been in some like astounding things, um, not limited to like Lord of the Rings, but just other like insane things. Not to mention he's a fantastic human being altogether i started following them a long time ago when he was like magneto and just i haven't stopped i haven't stopped his uh, uh following him on twitter because him and patrick stewart are so adorable together <laughs> like when they get together and they got their bowler hats on it's just adorable anyway these kind of things really bother me because i was like why are you casting this person for what reason and the and the only thing that comes to mind is they're a big name right and then the other side of that is like people like Taylor Swift. You got Jennifer Hudson. She is my favorite person, Jennifer Hudson, because that musical number uh, that she does, not the, not the first one, the second one, when she actually, like right before she gets chosen, that was probably the most enjoyable part of the whole movie. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell the audience this because I told these guys yesterday. I watched it at 11 and I stopped around 11.50 at the first memory song because I was falling asleep because <laughs> I was like, this is awful. This is terrible. And I can't keep watching this. So I stopped and I went, <laughs> I went to, I'm just uh, surprised that like, it's so bad that you couldn't look away and you couldn't finish it. You it's, know, it, I was, it's, I was falling asleep. And this is, this is from a person who plays video games until two in the morning. Right. So when I went to bed, my wife said, what's happened? He's like, I just can't watch it. I'm falling asleep. She's like, well, we'll just finish it up tomorrow. I was like, I'm going to have trouble going to sleep because now I have to watch it tomorrow. (laughs) Anyway, pick up from there. And I watched the rest of it. Yes, that whole thing happens. And Jennifer Hudson gets um, picked to be the Jellicle cat and everything. But all these things started popping up at the end. Like, apparently there was some sort of romance happening. 
And that just pops oh, up yeah. at the end. Why? It wasn't. It was like all it of a sudden that magical the, cat was like. And, and it was going. It started yeah. from the very first song from Jellical Songs for Jellical Cats. It was playing out the whole time. Like Mr. Mistopheles came around to save Victoria after Mungo Jerry and Teaser <laughs> left her there to be attacked by a dog. And then Monkastrap, I think that's his name, who is the exposition cat, essentially. He was also kind of making moves for her. So there was this weird love triangle happening the whole time. It wasn't just at the end. But that's no, but that's what's weird about it, right? So okay, okay, so they're trying to like convey to you that these people are cats, right? They dance and then do cat-like moves. Like that's the whole thing about this movie, right? They dance, but then they go like this. And that's supposed to tell us remember their cats right so the way they greet each other sometimes is they rub their faces on each other but they did that in the broadway musical too I they were dressed as cats i understand that but also apparently that's the same thing as also when they do that they also use that to be like hey i really like you here rub my face i mean and yeah so have if you every- seen cats like greet- yes i understand yeah, that, it's but a sign like, of it's- affection okay, yeah. but then she was doing that with like five or six cats and then all of a sudden this guy's like oh wait i picked this guy to rub my face with now and then she she rubs her face against like judy dench a couple of times too but old, but who wouldn't it's judy <laughs> <laughs> i understand that but that's why all of a sudden i was like wait they're now they're in love when did this happen he it's was just, ha- he had the hots for her since the very first song. Yeah. I mean, if I, you didn't get it when he rescued her from the yeah, house, that like that is important. That I like think- sealed the deal for her, and then she is encouraging him to because like she believed in him, and he was able to bring old Deuteronomy back. Like they all that was a old- big deal. Well, if they wanted old dudes back. Let's just be honest. Everybody was like, he might be able to do it. Let's encourage this guy. He might be able to. But it was Victoria that did it after he He was about to give up. She started singing again. Okay, but you could see that like because of the way that this was done. I wasn't feeling that she was like, yeah, it's obviously not the best. It's not the best written (laughs) love story ever. That's why at the end when they started, you know, nuzzling each other, I was like, what? I would happen? argue though the love story between Mr. Mistopheles and Victoria is a better love story than Anakin and Padme in Attack of the Clones. So that's an attack on you, Robert. That's not an attack on. No, me. I, I I agree with that. <laughs> I, that's a horrible love story. Rewatching that, I was like, when did you fall in love? <laughs> what point did that yeah. happen? That's what, that's what I mean. A lot of this stuff in this movie was just like, and then this happened. I was like, okay, so that happened now, and apparently Taylor Swift joins the party. Taylor Swift's part was no so nonsensical. I don't know if that's that's in the original play, right? Yeah, like there is a cat named Bombarella. But doesn't Bombarina? I thought I heard Anyways. that she, I thought I heard that she made this like she wrote this song. No, no, she no, no, wrote no, no. she wrote Ghost. Beautiful Ghost, the song that Victoria sings. So yeah. she wrote that original song and that was with Andrew Lloyd Webber and that was going to be her best original song. Uh, okay. submission for the Oscars. All right. And then which there's... is why most of these musicals they include an, a new original song so that they can be considered for that well, award. Well, okay. Which Beautiful Ghost is not a bad song. Like Oh, I, I I'm not I didn't think that was the song that she made up. I thought the one with the catnip was her No, McCavity that was from the original musical. Okay. I thought maybe McCavity had another song and then they just replaced it so that they could have Taylor Swift come in and 
do her thing. Nah. <laughs> but anyway, that whole part was kind of nonsensical too, because apparently he can just teleport and then teleport away. I don't know why he needed a musical number for that. The musical number isn't about Taylor Swift. It's about somebody that's not there. And then he shows up, sings two lines, and then he's out. That part was and so that's why they gave, But that's why they gave him a plot in this one. No, so. I, I get that. And you know what's funny is my wife was kind of half watching with me. And he's like, "Why? who is that? And I was like, I don't actually know. But he has genie powers. And he can come in and do his thing. And then he's just taking people. This all kind of like, I, I understood that the plot was that Idris kept taking people away so that he would be the last to be picked, like mm-hmm. the only candidate and everything. Is It was the Jellicle choice. Or right. he was or he trying was the to last be, one. he was trying to be the Jellicle choice, yes. But his whole relationship with Taylor Swift was weird, if I can say that, because she just shows up and she's like, this is my boss, apparently, and I love him a lot. Well, so like, oh, is, that, is that right? <laughs> well, right, Mungo sure. Jerry and Ruffle Teaser were working for McCavity as well. And you No, they and, just thought it would be a bit of fun is what they said. Oh, we just thought it was going to be a good laugh. So they were tricked. I don't know what I don't know. With him. They had the catnip cannons. What, what were those things? They yeah. look like cannons because they, they shot were catnip dust. cannons. Yeah. This is so like, nonsensical. <laughs> this has made me very upset. I was like, now they got cannons and now this and that. And it's like, and plus catnip is supposed to uh, like, what does that do to cats? I thought that made them like, it thought it was like a drug, right? It is. So they were kind of drugged up. So they couldn't really do anything once he took old Deuteronomy. Like there, right. there's purpose there. But I don't understand how the dust didn't affect the henchmen. They were spraying it all over the place. But it wasn't spraying on them. Yeah, they okay. directly sprayed it at the, the other cat. Yeah, it was like direct. Like it was cocaine was being shot at them. It's not like it's airborne or anything. <laughs> but I'm I'm at the end of the movie, and it's like things happen and things happen. I honestly think the way they set up this thing is that they essentially kill them by sending them off in this weird Wizard of Oz type balloon send her off to the whatever the the what is it called the heart the heavy side layer the heavy side layer because according to the wikipedia and some other stuff he's like then they are reborn after that yeah what has to happen for you to be reborn die you have to die so they have nine lives they're cats i understand but they fly into mufasa's face and then they're reborn (laughs) don't think i didn't catch that (laughs) (laughs) but the whole thing was like when that was done my wife was sitting next to me because remember I'm finishing it up with her and she's like, Oh God, it's over. And I was like, I don't think it's over. Cause I, I, I did the little thing. I was like, there's still 20 minutes to this thing. <laughs> and then they go into this whole thing about how cats are not dogs. Oh, why are they dogs. singing about cats are not dogs or do they think we're stupid? Well, I mean, think, look at our society. We're pretty obsessed with dogs and cute dog videos. So, oh you God. know, it was just reminding them, Hey, Cats are better than dogs, or that's the message that they are, you know, Cats are better sharing. Than okay. It's the final Meredith Loft is going to die on that hill. Okay. Cats are better than dogs. <laughs> that doesn't, doesn't correlate with my personal opinion about cats and dogs, but I'm saying that is what the movie is projecting to a world, okay, especially to a first world society that is pretty obsessed with dogs. Would you <laughs> agree? I think that's fair. Okay. But overall, that movie is not a movie in a traditional sense. I think 
there is a distinction about what a movie is supposed to be and it's supposed to be entertaining for you to watch and it should have a story. Here's the thing. You guys have a secondary element that you added to this in that it's an experience that you had with a group of people where you were all in on this joke. And that's what carries your love for this movie. Well, which I is completely absent from my viewing of it. I was a sad, alone person watching it in the middle of the well, night. Well, the way you were supposed to watch it was with people well, initially. I help it. <laughs> I was no, a sad, you can't. Al- 2020 had other plans. I was a sad man watching this cat-fueled orgy drug addled. I don't know what it is, but that's how I watched it. And it's awful. Okay. It's but- really awful. But you guys enjoyed it because you watched it the same way I watched the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I watched the Rocky Horror Picture Show first in a really weird, I think it might have not been a theater, but it looked like a theater in downtown LA. And I had to dress up and blah, blah, blah. And there's all this other added stuff to it. But the movie on its own is kind of awful. Well, let me, let me, let me clarify something here. The first time I saw it was alone in a theater. Same. There was three people in the theater. There was only three people yeah, in the yeah. theater? It was, it there was five second, people in my yeah. theater. It wasn't until the second time where we saw it with the people that were in on the joke. But just to kind of give you an idea of why I liked it, more more recently, like I say, like two years ago, I started going to the movies basically every weekend. And just to watch every new release, because I love going to the movies. But just going, when you started your podcast? It was actually a year before <laughs> that. It was actually a year before that. When you watch so many movies like that just every week, you get kind of numb to them. You start seeing like the the patterns and all the cliches and stuff. And so a lot of them started to become very boring. So when I would run across a movie that was bad and just like really bad, it it, it entertained me. And that's when I kind of started to like bad movies, like the movies that are just so bad they're good, right? So that's kind of more of a recent thing for me. So that's why I really wanted to watch this movie. It genuinely surprised me that I did kind of like it as a movie not just for the joke because there there's a lot of bad stuff in there like like you said the visual like the way they the visual effects like it's just it's just so bad like i remember the the first time we saw the trailer and they they showed the close-up of jennifer hudson like part like her face wasn't even properly aligned on the, <laughs> on the, the character it looked like an old 90s video game where it's just like a picture of a person wrapped around a, like the the polygon you know and <laughs> only the so only the person's like face parts moved the rest of it was all a yeah. stunt picture yeah so so yes i did go into it expecting to see something bad cuz i'm kind of fascinated with bad movies and if you look at this, it's just a perfect storm. Academy Award-winning director, like big studio, big money behind it. You mentioned the cast that just threw it at it, thinking yeah. that would automatically make it good, right? And I wanted to see that train wreck. Like, how could such good intentions be so bad? But I came out genuinely liking it, you know? I just, and also, I, I, have, I have a point to make about... <laughs> you just... You said that Cats in particular was a bad movie that had, like no plot to it i watched a charlie kaufman movie this year i'm thinking of ending things that's a movie that is supposed to be a prestige movie have some kind of plot and i was bored to tears and confused the whole time so at least with cats i walked away entertained having like a sense of what was going on 
Whereas I watched a prestige movie and I was thoroughly confused, didn't know what was happening, and I was ready for the movie to finish. So yeah, but that's how I felt about I'll, cats. I'll, I'll take it. Even, I'll take. I'll take. I'll take it even further, and I'm gonna, probably going to piss a lot of people off. Once upon a time in Hollywood doesn't really have a plot, right? It's just Meredith, kind of like look at Meredith's face. It's just kind of like people walking around doing their thing on a normal day. And then it ends, right? For like they walk around for two and a half hours, and then there's like an explosion at the end. I love the movie. Don't get me wrong. Here's a, <laughs> now, here's, now well, you're talking about like no plot, like like thin plots, like like there are movies that exist that don't really have a lot of like narrative, like pushing it forward, right? Right. They don't got a they don't got a cat exposed like seems like and now introducing this weird cat with red pants on. Yeah. Right. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't that be was, hating on Skimple Shack. That cat was worthless. How <laughs> dare you? You know what's funny is that I how actually dare think, you? I actually think that's the one scene, the one number that like works. Like every aspect of the movie works in that scene. Like the visual effects aren't weird, and they take advantage of all the zaniness because they no. jump around from like places. Robert, it's like, no. a musical, and he's no. doing Robert, tap no. dancing. That is yeah. a. I think that is something that is thoroughly lacking in most modern musicals is a good tap number. And Skimbleshanks provided and exceeded my expectations on that. As a former dancer, I appreciate that. Meredith, people hate the fact that they can tap dance. For the the reality this movie creates, I think everything comes together in that that number. It doesn't, though. It doesn't because he's wearing pants for once. He's wearing pants. Oh, but no, there no. are cats that are wearing jackets earlier than that. Like you were fine conductor. with that? Yeah, he has trained conductor mustaches too, and he has a hat. Because so he's the, the weird... railway cat. <laughs> he's the railway cat. Skimble shakes the railway cat. The he is always that, ready. That scene when he jumps out, that's when the crowd went wild. Oh, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. It's so that's... weird because up until and now, I... you accept that this is. These cats are in this reality, right? These, these are these are this is what cats look like in this weird alternate universe where they have faces but no buttholes, and then they walk around on two and and sometimes they walk around on four legs. But honestly, that's the part where now it starts to break because at some point he comes in, he starts tap dancing. And I'm like, okay, so here's the weird tap dancing number, which by the way, tap dancing weird. But How anyway. Dare you. Then it breaks the fourth wall, like, but it it does it in a way that's weird because now there's a train going right through the theater and then they spin around and everything fades away and now they're all on a train track. And by the way, in that scene in particular, that's when the CG of their faces and their body movements gets even worse. And I don't know. But that's when the movie just like embraces everything about itself. Like the cat was wearing like different type of shoes. Like in the opening number, there are two cats that are wearing tennis shoes. And like you were fine with that beforehand. The, the, oh, he's wearing tap shoes. The Rebel oh. Wilson character takes off, unzips her fur. Like, yeah. I know, but she's really awful awesome. in her, her yeah. own way, honestly. But this cat was like I don't know. Is, all, okay. of, all of it was Ernie. assembled in awfulness on that one. Ernie, if you could make cats any better, oh. what would you do? Well, I don't think I, for one, I, the whole part of it, and I remember talking about pe- uh, this with people while we were in, while we were at work, is this movie is absolutely known 
for the way that they dress their actors as cats because they're not trying to make their actors look like cats. They're trying to do like a fashion version of cats, right? So these people have like weird midriffs with fur and then they show their skin and they paint their body and everything. I was like, why didn't they just keep on with that? Because that's a long, according to the plays, it's a long-standing tradition that turning somebody into a cat is like its own art form, right? So for one, I would ditch the whole weird CG version of it because that was weird on its own and jarring. And the secondly, the reason that would do even better is because one of the best parts about musicals, and this I'll agree with you, maybe I don't, maybe I'm not a big tap dancing fan, but I do enjoy choreography when it's done really well. And a lot of the times that's lost to me because when you have a CG thing happening, it can be animated. And with this one, it's like, well, if it's being animated, they're like movements and everything aren't that impressive now because a person isn't doing it. Somebody's probably like, if they didn't get it exactly right, somebody puppeteered it and made it too perfect. You know what I mean? So that's, that's, that's the big way to fix this. Cause I can take all the rest of this. I can take the you tap can take dancing. the Beatles take... with faces and mice with faces. Oh my God. It was awful. <laughs> I can take the rest of this, but that was just the weirdest thing ever. Like the weirdest choice for a, a musical that has been known for its makeup and its choreography. You essentially es- eliminated both those things in the movie. That's honestly what bothered me most about the movie. They, they, they kind of ripped it out of its best elements. You don't go to watch a musical thinking uh, any of this is going to be like automated. Like the music, you don't want auto-tuned because you can make it sound exactly like it's supposed to sound by having everybody lip sync, but you go there to see a perfect performance. And I don't think the choreography should, they shouldn't have ripped it out that way because now you take the med- the uh, like the human part of the choreography and it looked just weird. It, that's why that part with the tap dancing messed with me so much because when they go on the railway, you can really tell that they animated some of those parts. It really looked bad. Like, yes, he can tap dance, Meredith. He can tap dance so well. <laughs> Apparently, you're a big fan of that. <laughs> Skimble Shanks is my jellical choice, okay? Well, apparently it is, but that's that's how I would fix it. Get mm. rid of this. Not necessarily, and by the way, the CG on the people, the, the background and everything, like I said at the beginning, was awesome. I like the set design. So that 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 would be my that would be my way to kind of quote unquote fix this. But honestly, if you're not a fan of this, you're not going to be a fan of this <laughs> musical. <laughs> Robert, I, I don't know. You want to go next? <laughs> How yeah. would you fix this? I mean, if there's I- one thing you can change about cats, because like you mentioned, at the end of the day, you enjoy cats overall. But, you know, there are things that could be improved. What would you change? Yeah, I think I would echo literally exactly everything that Ernie said. The whole the whole decision to go CG was the biggest mistake of this movie. That's what makes it look so weird. But at the same time, if you remove that element, it would remove what makes it such a train wreck. And it would kind of like <laughs> remove my enjoyment of it. So I, I'll say this. I agree with what he said, but uh, I'll add to it by saying the, the cast. Pairing a lot of these famous people like Rebel Wilson and all these people who can't sing and pairing them with people who could. It's just, it's, yeah, it's, I think that's the, that's the biggest flaw. And I think that's a trend that's been going on in a lot of musicals. I mean, you brought up La La Land, that criticism. 
is that they're trying to make it more like regular people just singing so you could buy into the characters more. But this is a musical. Like, you need real singers there. And I think that's the biggest flaw. And to have Rebel Wilson's song be like one of the first ones there. And that's just such a hard thing to get through. Like, that's really what separates the strong from the weak there. If you can make it through that song, like, you can make it through the rest of the movie. But I would change that. I would get rid of all the famous uh, names in it and just stick with uh, stage performers. Well, you know what, Robert? I'll add something to that. If you're going to add a famous musician to the mix, like, this is a case for Jason Derulo because, honestly, like, he has he has a lot of range. But He's his... fine because he could sing. Right. Yeah, I'm talking about can... the, the other people who can't. But that's what I mean. Like, he can sing, but his forte isn't that type of singing. You know what I mean? His forte True. is more of an R&B but he's still, soul kind he's of still, thing. he's still a performer, right? Of like, course. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. Of course. And he is a... I, I understand why they picked him, but I feel like if they were going to use Jason Derulo, why not style the music a little bit more towards him? But then uh, you'd have musical theater people and be like, wait a second, that's not Rum Tum Tugger's song. And, you know, like, oh my gosh, you changed it so much. If you were going to have everything else the same, but then you would change like his song to fit him better, you'd have people yeah, upset thing. about that. So, uh, oh, in other words, push back Robert said, he's like, don't, I'm- don't have. Jason Derulo. <laughs> no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine with Jason Derulo. I'm fine with Taylor, Taylor Swift because they're performers. They they don't sure. mm-hmm. um, Taylor Swift. Yeah, Taylor Swift was yeah. like not the worst part of that movie, and I yeah. was pretty shocked by that. Yeah, but I know that at the time when they were starting this up, there was there was no shortage of Broadway actors that could have done this. Oh, you for know. sure. Yeah, and like sure, I understand, just like, they just like throwing names. It's like you said, sure. it's a flaw with that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but like for example, I remember that. Shoot, I'm trying to remember, but Hugh Jackman did a <laughs> musical. He had a he was doing a musical on stage. I think it was called The Boy from Oz or something like that, something to that effect. And he was like the star of it, but he was completely backed up by a, a huge number of theater people that were, you know, this is what they do. F- as, as like a, this is their thing. So having a big star and then being surrounded by a lot of talent, that works, right? And I don't, I, I don't know if this is the way to go for this kind of movie. Like you just have a bunch of stars in there who are kind of, you know, just being placed in there. But for their I would even say they're not even like the main stars of the movie. They're not like, like Hugh Jackman being like the main character and then being surrounded by a supporting cast of like, regular Broadway people, it's more like the main stars of the movie, I'd say, are more of those classical Broadway people. And then they are surrounded by A-list people because they Mm. only have like their one-off song or whatever. Right. I mean, the only star I'd say would be a main character would be Judi Dench. And she did great in my opinion. So I haven't heard what she's supposed to be compared to. So I don't, I don't really have a I, I don't really have a frame of reference from her. So I assume that she's supposed to also, play Also, Judy Dench way. was supposed to be in the original run of Cats. So the whole thing about Judy Dench being in Cats is she was supposed to be in that. And then she had like an injury happen. Like she just couldn't do it like the week before they opened. So her being in the theatrical version of Cats is like finally her getting the chance to do cats which she that's was an interesting to do. tidbit i like that that's that's fun so that's it why when like, we during our rowdy screening when judy dinch came on people would chant judy judy 
Because like, it's, it's really about <laughs> Judy, you know, at the end of the day, because like she finally got to have this full circle <laughs> moment of mm-hmm. finally being a part of Cats. So we cheered yeah. for Judy. Uh, Judy still the she is oh, old Judy. on me. She is <laughs> she is the MVP. It also really. goes to show like how great of an actor and performer she is. Like even something like this can't bring her down. Like she's still she's still excellent in it, in it you know, despite her. Yeah. You know? I'm yeah. I'm a I'm yeah. a fan of Judy Dench. She yeah. breaks the fourth wall for us yeah. and they, yeah. they were gonna CG her finger so that her like wedding ring wasn't oh, in it. So- and we still love her. Like she is not tainted by cats. We're just like, yes, keep the going. Part, that, that part was awful, by the way, the f- breaking the fourth wall part. Because when people do that in plays or musicals or anything, it's to be like, look at society. I'm holding a mirror up to you. So I'm talking directly to you. But this was just dogs aren't cats, everybody. <laughs> it's so weird. And it just goes on forever. It goes on for so long. <laughs> There was a guy when we went to the rowdy screening, it made me laugh so hard. Like every time, because she would like turn away from the camera, you think the song is over, and then she would turn back to it. He was like, It's still going? Yep. (laughs) That's how I felt after, after, uh, what's it called? The lady flew away to Oz. They were still singing about her. I was like, She is gone. She's gone. I'm pretty sure you can see her. Idris Alba's dead. Right, no, I, I don't dead. think he he's lands dead. on top of like a. But he, yeah. it's it's yeah. shown that he can't get down, so he's basically dead. And apparently, he can't teleport anymore during the day. I don't know what that's about, <laughs> but I. But was it truly dead. like? I don't think it was truly like daytime because like people weren't out and about. So I don't think his powers are necessarily limited to a certain we, time of day. That, see, that's weird. He took off his jacket. Right. Yes, he did. And I thought, and by the way, he should have never taken off that jacket. <laughs> that was so weird. <laughs> I took off the jacket. I was like, oh, Yeah, sexiest man alive was not pulling through when he took off that jacket. No, and you know what? Right after that, I was like, I have to watch something equally as stupid. And I watched Hobbs and Shaw right after that. Oh god. Um, <laughs> I actually enjoyed uh, Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, that that fourth that fourth wall part just went on for too long. I I totally agree with that person in your screening. <laughs> it's still going. Yeah. Like those kind of things are supposed to be like a here you go wink or like a who's who's that other guy uh, from Annie Hall who goes like can you believe this guy like he'll like address the the audience to make a comment on what's happening. But she just kept going, yeah. and I don't get the <laughs> <laughs> oh well. This was great. All of this. Um, I wanted to do a feline fast round mm-hmm. and kind of rapid fire go through some of our like favorite and least favorite bits. So, I mean, we'll all, I'll do like one and we'll just all answer. Okay. So, uh, Robert, who is your favorite Jellicle cat? My favorite is Mr. Mistopheles. Because he kind of saves the day at the end, and I really love that song. Like it, I can't wait to go to another Rowdy screen and sing along with that part, you know, <laughs> to give him the encouragement. <laughs> oh my god! Ernie, favorite favorite Jellicle cat. I don't know the name of the cat. Name the actor. I, uh, Jason Derulo's character. I really liked his cat. Rum Tug Tugger. 
Yeah, because it was just Jason Derulo being Jason Derulo. And I know that's why they chose him. And he was like, he like hitting on all the cats. And I, for a second, I had thought that she was going to get with him at the end of the movie. Cause he was like, you know, whatever. And then later on, James Corden interrupts his threesome. And I thought that was cool too. And he has like a fishbone necklace bling thing. And I was like, that's terrible. And just like something Jason Derulo did. So I just, I really enjoyed his weird, awful character. <laughs> Robert already said, uh, Mr. Mistopheles, who was my favorite. I mean, cause I have like long history with him, but because of that, I will go with, uh, my favorite cat. My favorite Jellicle, Jellicle cat is Gimbal Shanks. Like I mentioned, he's my Jellicle choice. I love a good tap dancer and Skimble Shanks saved it for me. Like once he came on, (laughs) how dare you? He rocked those red pants. And he had that weird British out to here mustache. (laughs) Which fit the time. It was so perfect. And it was not an A-lister actor. And so like, I appreciated that. And he just got to shine on his own in the midst of this. So Skimble Shanks, my fave. You know why they didn't choose an A-list actor for that one? Because none of them can tap dance. Exactly. Because A-list actors don't tap dance. That's right. (laughs) And I wanted a tap dancer to do that well. And he did it. All right. Favorite song from Cats. Go, Robert. I know this is going to drive a lot of real Cats fans crazy. But my favorite song is Beautiful Ghosts. (laughs) <laughs> really yeah i the you know, oh, yeah wow. the, the 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 dad approves because you know how spotify gives you like your top played music mm-hmm. <gasps> two two cat songs are in that playlist one is jellicle songs for jellicle cats and number one is beautiful ghost by taylor wow, Robert. but uh yeah funny <laughs> funny story funny story about that song i every time i watch like a, a movie musical based on a broadway show i always like to go and listen to the original cast recording Right, because I want to see like the different interpretations. And the very first thing I did when I walked out of that theater, I pulled out my phone, I went on Spotify, I went to the cast record, original cast recording, and looked for "Beautiful Ghost" because I didn't know that that was the new song. And when I found out that it wasn't or in the original show, I was so heartbroken. <laughs> I can't believe it was the song written for the movie, which is usually they're very hated. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I like, thought his favorite song was gonna be Rebel Wilson's song. <laughs> no, <okay. laughs> so yeah, beautiful, amazing. Girl. Ernie, uh, what's your favorite I, song? You know what? I mean, it, there's a reason it's so um, so often used in hate slash love, but that memory song, like. The movie was awful. Everything about it was awful. But the singing chops on that lady singing that song was haunting. Yeah. Honestly, if I were to go to see Cats, honestly, that would probably be the highlight. It's like the first time I watched Wicked and heard Gravity playing. Like the first time I heard that, oh my God, you got goosebumps. That's something I would like to hear live Mm -hmm. was a rendition of that song live without the interruptions from some of the other cats <laughs> i wanted to hear like because the, the second time that she sings it is definitely like the definitive part of the song because the first time she sings it if i'm not mistaken she sings it but they have beautiful ghosts kind of interspliced in it is that the way it's done i can't remember so I just... for the theatrical version of it yes because beautiful ghosts wouldn't be there and grizabella is introduced in the same way of like the cats are like looking down on her mm-hmm. So you right. kind of hear her start singing memory, but it's not like 
the full version of memory. Right. But that would be my choice is uh, memories. Okay. Memory? Memories. What is it called? Memories? I believe it's just memory. Memories. Okay. <laughs> okay. As much as it's hated, I, I like that song. I mean, it's a reason why, like, you know, as you mentioned, as like a 90s trope, like people would audition and sing memory and then like they'd get cut off immediately. So cliche yeah. for a reason. So I like that. Meredith, your pick. Okay. So, I mean, I used to sing Mr. Mistopheles when I was <laughs> in middle school, but how they sang it in the movie, it was much slower than I liked it. So because I used to it being more upbeat than that. So if I had to, yeah, that song was real depressing. (laughs) It was a little depressing, but I, I mean, I can't say Scumble Shanks again because it's more of a dance number. So it would be Jellicle songs for Jellicle cats. Like it's the opening song, you're in it, and honestly, I sing Jellicle cats back to myself quite a bit. Like I'll find myself like humming like Jellicle song for Jellicle cats, Jellicle like. It's just so easy to have that stuck in your head. So that's my pick. It's such a theater me, song. It's what, hooked me, it's what hooked me into the movie. Like I knew I was going to like it when that song came on. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. When I heard that song, I was like, yep, I'm in for this. This is what this is. <laughs> exactly. Well, all right, let's get negative. Robert, which is your least favorite Jellicle Cat? Least favorite would have to be from the film version is uh, Jenny Annie Dots. Mm-hmm. That song, that whole sequence is just everything about it is bad. Rebel Wilson's singing, okay. yeah. her comedic chops are just not there. None of it works. And it's just so weird because you have the mice children and then the roaches. It's just that whole character is just very kind of annoying throughout the whole movie. And not funny mm-hmm. at all. Yet yeah, it, it's meant to be kind of like the comic relief and it doesn't work. Um, yeah, was it meant to be funny? I don't know. The jokes were added for her to be funny, but they just did not work. Everything about it felt flat. All the cat puns were just like forced. And I was like, oh boy, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Least favorite character, Jenny Any Dots. Mm -hmm. Oh, bad. Oh, Ernie. That is right. Mine would have to be James Corden only because for one, I, I, for one, I don't like him as a whatever, what, I don't even know. Is he an actor or just a host? I don't know what he is, but in my opinion, my humble opinion, he can't carry a tune in that song. That song was kind of awful. And then in true James Gordon fashion, he stops the whole song in the middle of the song to try to do this bit that is even worse than all the weird cat scratching that Rebel Wilson was trying to do. Like, I agree with Robert that that was really awful because the, the comedy that she was trying to do, look, I scratch myself. Look at how funny that is. I was like, is it funny? cool um and then james gordon just stops the whole thing he's like look i'm really fat do you get that i'm fat everybody understand that i'm fat that's the joke and they're like okay now start up the song and it's like okay so you've ruined the song whatever the song was and he's just i don't know and i didn't really even like his character i don't know what he was supposed to be he was just supposed to be kind of the same as rebel wilson like he's just a fat cat i don't know they're different because like he definitely cares more about food where I think Jenny Annie Dot, she was like a lazy cat, but at night she would like organize. So it wasn't like. Well, I, I didn't think, get that. Yeah. Well, she got those mice to, you know, dance and those beetles with faces to 
organize and dance, which was truly I mean, horrifying. I mean, even with all that, James Corden's song about food and weird. And that was the other thing, like his character's constantly eating, but because it's a CG thing going into his mouth, they had to stretch his mouth to put all that shit <laughs> down his throat. It's just weird, guys. That was my pick for awfulest cat. <laughs> I, I now I'm really curious to hear what Meredith's cat so, is. Honestly. Uh, so honestly, my least favorite cat is it. It is a tie between Jenny Any Dots and Buster for Jones because they were both the ones to break up the musical the most with their cat puns with like James Corden at one point he like corrects this cat on how to pronounce the river Thames and that's right I was like why is this happening right now this makes no sense (laughs) Rebel Wilson calls herself like don't mess with the crazy cat lady why you're not a lady you're a cat why are you saying this so I think I will say I probably would give the edge over to Jenny Anydot's Rebel Wilson only because her musical number included beetles with faces and mice with faces. And that was truly terrifying. Like James Gordon, he stopped the song and that was annoying in and of itself. Like they both were equally bad, but I think just the added horror of those extra elements in her songs pushes it over the edge for me. That's interesting that that's, that was the line for you guys. Yeah. Beatles oh, with yeah. faces. <laughs> That's the line. <laughs> because you weren't expecting it. And then they were there and you were like, oh my gosh, this is horrifying. And that is the, what, second musical number. in Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, it is. You're right. <laughs> so you're like, oh no, what's about, like, is yeah. it only going to get worse from here? I think it's semi-saved later throughout, but it's not a great place to start. Yeah, that that was their that was their opening move was the Rebel Wilson. Well, yeah. actually, that's sad. Well, <laughs> that's what happens in the musical. She is the first cat that is introduced, but Jellical Songs for Jellical Cats is still the first song. So, which speaking of which, what is your least favorite song from Cats, Robert? Go. My least favorite, and it's just because it's so boring. Is uh, Gus Gus the theater cat song? Ugh. That just that just the movie just felt like it was dragging when it hit that moment. And I remember being in the theater and just like being uncomfortable. It's like none of this like the singing is not good. It's just kind of boring. There's no fun visual element to it. I hate to say it, there's <laughs> not much else I can say other than it's boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah, seems pretty solid. Yeah. Ernie, what about you? <laughs> You know, I'm going to piss off Meredith and say that Jellicle Cat's intro song is the no. worst song. How dare uh, you? Because it's one of those songs that's in every fucking play. It's like, we are the townspeople and this is what we do. <laughs> it's an introduction song. You it's need an, ex- an introduction an expo- and exposition. No, it's an exposition song. That's why I hate it. It's like, let's introduce you to this magical world. But it's not even the song that introduces the Jellicle Ball. No, it doesn't. But you're finding out the whole theory of this place is being jellical. And then they're trying to explain it to her. And she's like, and that's what that's what all of those plays have in common, right? When they do their exposition song, they got the main character doing this. Oh, look at all this stuff that's happening around my world. And now I'm being introduced. I can't take that song. I just can't because it's in every it's in every musical. It really is. Just like in Chicago, when she gets brought into like fucking the jail cell, there's always like they do that big mama song. 
And oh. it's like, I don't like that one, but it's like they're introducing everything to her. And I'm like, ugh, here's the exposition song. It's just one of those tropes to me. That's why oh. I don't like it. Okay. Well, <laughs> I disagree with that, but I. To be res- on the record, I disagree too. <laughs> I respectfully disagree, but it is your opinion. So whatever. And yours? Everything Robert said, the Gus the Theater oh, Cat song it is not old this, Gus. I love Ian McKellen, but that song slows down the entire thing. So when Skimble Shanks comes on afterwards, it picks it back up again because yeah. it's the middle of the movie. It's so slow. Ian McKellen, this just is not a great song for him. And you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm ready to get through this. And he looks like he's on death's door during it, you know, which I mean, I guess makes him a better jellical choice than like McCavity, who's like in the prime of his life. So every time I watch it or if I hear, it, I'm just like, oh, all right, let's just get through this. Let's yeah. move on. Let's get to <laughs> Skimble Shanks, you know. So uh, yeah, for everything Robert said about Guess the Theater Cat. Agreed. He just said one thing. It's boring. It's a nice, <laughs> it's a nice bathroom break song. Like, oh, yeah, run to the bathroom and hopefully it's not going to come back. Can yeah. I ask a question? Since you both have a don't like the song in the original, I know Robert said he listened to the original score. Is it that slow? Is it sung the same way? I actually haven't heard that. Oh, I thought you see that's that, yeah. Yeah. How I much I don't like it. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just. Well, you've seen it too, right, Meredith? On stage. Yeah. Is it that slow? But that was but that was forever ago. I don't fully remember Gus the Theater Cat. It's not a high watermark of that musical. Yeah, I I agree. But I yeah, that I still stick by my choice. All right, next one. If you were trapped on an island with one of the Jellicle cats, who would it be and why, Robert? Again, Mr. Mistopheles, because I feel like I identify with him more. He's kind of like the underdog, you know? So we can kind of be friends. And he could use his magic to get us out and mm-hmm. you know, put us back on land. Ernie? I would just choose McCavity. He seems like a good time. <laughs> Honestly, that character was... It's weird to say this, but he... Because he has the drugs? Leave well, it yeah, to Ernie <laughs> to one, pick the villain. For one, that guy knows how to party, right? For one. Uh, but secondly, uh, I do. I did kind of identify with that guy, uh, if I'm going to be honest, because he was the only one who had a clear goal in mind, even if he wasn't going to achieve it. But he had like a character to him. Um, he did have powers. He could teleport off the island, probably. But honestly, like he seems like he's having a good time, a guy with a man with a plan kind of thing. So definitely me. and But he has to keep that jacket on and the hat on because he looks horrifying the other way meredith who are you on that island with i would be i would like to be trapped on an island with mungo jerry and rumple teaser because i think they come as a set yes they come as a set (laughs) they have a song together they work together with mccavity so i think they're a set and they're both clearly resourceful and can find what they need to survive. And I feel like if I was with them, I would be taken care of. And they have cocaine <laughs> or catnip, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> it would make it an enjoyable time. Let's just put it at that. Oh, All right. Boy. Last thing I want to do in this feline fast round is I've oh. got a bunch of cats and I want you to classify them. Are they jellical or not? Because clearly not all cats are jellical. 
So let's start with uh, Cheetah from Wonder Woman 1984. We got a new trailer Mm -hmm. this year from DC Fandom, and we have seen Kristen Wiig in her Cheetah form. Is Cheetah a jellicle? Um, judging from that last trailer, I could confirm that she definitely is a Jellicle because it feels like they just use whatever render files that Cat had and just plugged it into the Wonder Woman. <laughs> I mean, I still think the movie's going to be great, but I saw that. I was like, oh, they're going for the cats thing, huh? <laughs> I, I actually concur very much with Robert yeah. because it's awful and I consider whatever Jellicle is awful. So, <laughs> Oh, my gosh. <laughs> It's about the same, I think. <laughs> so she is Jellicle. I would agree. I think she is Jellicle as well. If not for the, not for the, the terrible reasons. reasons, as Ernie would mention. But yeah, I think Cheetah has something a little unique and special about her to make yeah. her Jellicle. What about the cat from The Cat in the Hat, a.k.a. Mike Myers from The Cat in the Hat? <laughs> I would have to say definitely Jellicle because it's a walking, talking cat. And I think he's Buster. <laughs> all it takes. I think he's Buster <laughs> for Jones' cousin because <laughs> they kind of look alike. So even though I don't like the guy, I think he's a Jellicle by definition. Yeah, I disagree with Robert. I don't think he's a Jellicle choice because. Not a Jellicle if, choice, but he's a Jellicle No, just cat. a Jellicle cat Sorry. because. Yeah. You can be a Jellicle cat without being the yeah. Jellicle choice. Oh, my God. Apologies. I forgot the terminology is very. Oh, my God. You can't say that. No, I meant in that he's not Jellicle because as I have understood in this play, but maybe I misunderstood, uh, McCavity is not Jellicle. And that's why they, they keep him away from all the singing and the dancing and the strutting and the tapping. They keep him away from that because he's not Jellicle. But he Cavity is a Jellicle cat. He's just not the Jellicle choice. He's clearly involved with the Jellicle ball. But they don't want him around. Because so he's, he's not part of the news. cult. Yeah, he's not part of the cult. So in he's my still opinion, Jellicle. if you're not part of the if you're not he part is of still the group, in the running to be a Jellicle choice. OK, you know, if you if you don't go to the meetings and you don't chant and you don't get branded, you don't get to be Jellicle. So I don't think the cat in the hat is like that. He's mischievous. He's like. Off the rails, he does whatever he wants, and then maybe he fixes it at the end. You know, it's my it's it, and he has a hat. I don't know. I, I think McCavity and him have a hat, so there's another comparison. I don't think he's Jellical. I think he is, and I think he is a perfect cross between Buster Jones and Mister Mistopheles because clearly. <laughs> the cat in the hat is magical like mr mistopheles he gets he brings over like thing one and thing two from like his realm essentially like he's his realm oh, yeah <laughs> like have you not seen that movie like no i avoided it like the plague oh my gosh <laughs> i went to see that in theaters when it came out like that is part of my childhood. Either. It's yeah. Mike Myers doing an Austin Powers impression that's gone horribly wrong for an hour and a half. Listen, when I was a child, it was really entertaining. So I feel like it works. Okay. So. So you think he's Jellicle? Oh, totally. Oh, I can't wait to hear the rest of this list. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mufasa from The Lion King. Jellicle or not? Okay. To me, it's very clear he's not Jellicle. A, he, he talks, yes, but he walks on all four, you know, legs. 
And it says it very clearly in the song, like when you fall on your head, do you land on your feet? And we all saw the movie, he doesn't land on his feet. Um, so I think that disqualifies him. So not Jellicoe for me. I agree with Robert on this. I don't think he's yeah. Jellicoe at all. Yeah. First of all, his song and dance routine is garbage in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't, doesn't fuck up right, but he he's, not, he's not. He's not. He's in the movie. He's not doing what he's supposed to be doing, which is like being part of a pride, which is one of the. One of We're the talking about Mufasa right now. Who are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. I was talking about Simba. No, Mufasa is not. I still wouldn't agree that Mufasa is not a uh, Jellicoe guy because he doesn't even sing. Yes. He doesn't no. sing. So I'm pretty sure that's one of like the seven pillars of being Jellicle is being able to sing and dance. And that's, Mufasa definitely did not do that. He did the sky face thing. That is kind of like what happened in that movie, but that's, yeah, that's, that's about it. But he, he doesn't sing. He doesn't dance. He doesn't tap dance. Wait. Okay. Then that. Robert and Ernie, do you think Simba is Jellicle by that definition? I mean, uh... He, he sings. sings. He has that going for him. So he could make his case. You know? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. the other thing I was saying was he doesn't want to follow a pride. He didn't want to be part of it. You know what I mean? He but eventually he goes back. Eventually, yeah. but eh, I don't know. During the for the for ninety percent of the movie, he's not. I would say like he I would grows classify up. him as yes. I would classify him as no. And plus, he's not even hanging out with other cats. He's hanging around with a warthog and a meerkat. Okay, but he was hanging out with cats for quite a bit. With hello, Nala. Like they yeah, saying, he, I just can't wait to be king. So he grew up eating bugs with Timon and Pumbaa. He didn't grow bad. up. Most he went through life. a period where he was eating bugs with Timon and Pumbaa. Yes. Excuse me. Regardless, he you goes see back his name 90s kid <laughs> speaking here about the Lion King, okay? You see a transition from childhood to adulthood. That's what you see. And for that amount of time, he was being non-jellical. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I would say, I would agree that Mufasa is probably not a jellical, though I think his archetype was probably the the genesis of the jellical cats. Like, if if you're thinking about, like you mentioned, Ernie, Mufasa's like cat face in the sky. Like, where did that come from? He may oh. not have been the jellical choice, but he might have been like the original old Deuteronomy. So, oh my God, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> I you you did this, this to you. You got you came up with the terminology genesis of jellical. <laughs> yes, the I did. Here. There we go. Oh boy, I would say Simba is probably a jellical cat because he does eventually come back and take his place on Pride Rock. He is able to overcome evil. He sings and he dances quite a bit as in I just can't wait to be king. So I, I could see him as a jellical cat. Yeah. Who else is on this list? <laughs> uh, the Cheshire cat from Alice in Wonderland, jellical or not. That to me is an uh, easy one. He's a magical cat, right? So I said, yes, he's a jellical. Wait, does he sing? No, what? no, but he does speak in rhyme. That's not singing. That's like saying slam poetry is singing. It's not the same thing. That would be something a jellical does, though. Yeah. But the, but jellical cats sing, Robert. You said it yourself. But he's like magical and all. I, I, yes, he's. A <laughs> but he speaks in rhyme. He pops up at places, kind of like McCavity or yeah. potentially Mr. Mistopheles. You, you guys keep saying that he talks in rhymes, like that's some sort of substitution for singing. 
if I went to a Taylor Swift concert and she just spoke in rhymes, I wouldn't consider that a concert. Listen, you don't need all of the qualifications. You just need some of the prerequisites to qualify. Also, Alice in Wonderland is not a musical. So, like, they speak, there's a lot of poetry and rhyme speak in Alice in Wonderland. So, you could technically count that as like the singing aspect. And they also, sing in that movie? So, Okay. Everybody sings in that movie. Also, Cats is based (laughs) off of poems from T.S. Eliot. So they're not even songs. They're poems. And they speak in rhyme. (laughs) It is published. No, I I have to disagree with both of you. I don't think he's a jellical cat. He's magical, right? But as as they've also, like, magic isn't a thing that makes you jellical. That just might be something you do on the side, like, with the top hat and all that stuff but he has to sing that's the whole bit how are they supposed to be in the music how are they supposed to be part of the mad uh Jellicle ball if they can't sing and plus they have to sing to old dudes to plead their case dudes gotta hear you sing so how are you you have to be able to sing come on you have like to how are you supposed to be the Jellicle choice yeah you, you sing worth. gus could barely stand up but he had to sing to be part of the Jellicle choice. That's a prerequisite. I can't believe I have to explain this to you guys. I had to sing to be the Jellicle choice. I can't choice believe that you are, you are, your judgment level to determine to, what a Jellicle cat you have to sing, is. So. You had to sing to be the Jellicle choice, but not yeah. necessarily to be a Jellicle cat. cat. They all sing. All of them sing. They can be in the back, just kind of like mouthing <laughs> the words. You know? They can be the dancers. Really yeah. energetic in the <laughs> I disagree. You got to be able to sing. That's got to be like pillar one of being a jellical cat. Like those are the seven pillars of being in this cult is you have to sing. Maybe you can dance. And like one of the tiers is you have to have a special power. But singing is definitely a pillar. Okay, here's what I'll qualify. I think... The original animated from the 50s Alice in Wonderland uh, Cheshire Cat is probably not a Jellicle Cat, but the one from the Tim Burton movie is a Jellicle Cat. Can we not talk about that movie, please? (laughs) Yes, we can. We're going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about it. Well, yeah, I think if the one that the one from the animated movie, I don't think is necessarily a Jellicle cat because there's a lot more involved that they show of that world. Whereas like the Tim Burton one is kind of like a mix between the original story and through the looking glass. I think that Cheshire cat is probably more Jellicle in its involvement role in that world and has, what was the dance that they do? The butter wagon or something. I feel like that qualifies. It is a Jellicle cat. You're really reaching with the Johnny Depp version. Because <laughs> remember, there is a Lion King musical. And I there believe is, Mufasa yeah. has a singing part in it. So, you know, if we're doing all the different versions. Oh, of this so, now cat, you, so now you want to, you want to qualify. Now you're qualifying as, it. Because, right. Because you just, you were, the, you said. So you kid. think so Mufasa you were just talking now about, is a Jellicle cat is what you're saying. No, I don't think he's a Jellicle cat, but for other reasons. But now you're quantifying it with all the different versions of the Cheshire cat. I thought we were sticking to cartoons, lady. <laughs> we are, which <laughs> as we've learned from this cat's movie, CG counts. So I guess it does. <laughs> 
All right. My last one is Tigger from Winnie the Pooh. Jellical cat or not? <laughs> I mean, for your reaction. <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's an easy one. He walks around on his feet. He, he, he jumps. He sings. Mm-hmm. Jellical. Yeah, I have to agree with that one. But he also has a special power that not all cats have. He's got a springy tail. That's not something a, oh, yeah. a cat is known for, having a springy tail. There, I know cats are known for bouncing in terms of how they can leap and stuff, but he's got a little special power. He can, he uses that little springy tail and he yeah. sings. Yeah. I mean, I that would win him the jellical choice. Sure. I think so. Yeah. For sure. For sure. He should go off into the clouds. I'm going to say, <laughs> if he. If Tigger wasn't chosen as the jellical choice, like he could potentially bounce his way to the heavy slide flare. Let's be real. <laughs> I think he just could. I mean, if you if you can imagine, I feel a, a big part of this whole thing is if you can imagine him in one of those numbers. Like if you can imagine Tigger being part of one of those numbers, uh, I would see him as that. The the your pick as favorite cat was those two cats. Can no, that's who I wanted to be trapped with okay. on an island was those two cats. Mungu so because Jerry, of Rumble teaser. Right. So because of the mischief that they, you know, exude and all that, I could see Tigger bouncing around in the background of that whole scene. <laughs> and that's kind of how I determined whether or not they're jellical. I can't see Mufasa in any of this movie, but Tigger for sure. Mufasa could be like the old Deuteronomy and like have that gravitas. Yeah, um, he could. Yeah, I don't see it. I think Robert says he didn't land on his feet. Yeah. <laughs> and so was trampled. <laughs> I don't appreciate y'all laughing over Mufasa's death that like traumatized a generation of children. So You know, it wasn't his death so much as his son going, get up, dad. Like, yeah. Oh my God, he's not going to get up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so heartbreaking. Yeah, but Tigger definitely. I mean, you would agree with us, right, Meredith? Yeah, Tigger is totally a jellical cat. And I don't know if he would be a jellical choice in like his early years because he's, you know, mischievous. But I feel like if he stuck around long enough, he could be the jellical choice. Hmm. I definitely think so. Uh, mischievous, I think, gets you there. I think it gets you there. Yeah, totally. I can't believe that we just like chatted this whole time about cats, honestly. Pre-COVID, we, I mean, we chatted around our desk talking about like, Ernie, when are you going to see cats? And to be able to have this conversation. And I'm I'm thankful that we still, we got to do that, you know? It didn't yeah. happen the way that I thought it would, but. <laughs> no, apparently there was a whole plot. And there I can use the word plot. <laughs> but you still watched Cats. You still came on this podcast and you got to talk about Cats. Oh, my God. And uh, that, therefore, has made my 2020. So thank you. Thank you. You know, I will say that 2020 has put a lot of things that you would think, oh, this is never going to happen. Like, I would never be working from home like five days a week and have that kind of job. And lo and behold, that's what we're doing every single day now. Lo and so behold, yes. you watch cats. Yeah. So yes, lo and behold, I watch cats, even though it was very much against watching this movie because I thought but there was nothing good about it. You did it. <sighs> and you found some, you found different things that you enjoyed about the movie that I you did. actually liked. I, I was did. actually surprised at your reaction. I thought it was going to go a lot different. 
Yeah, no, I thought I you were going to start screaming on here yeah. like, oh, let me tell you about this. <laughs> let me tell you about cats. Uh, no, I, I can appreciate the work that went into a lot of it. And a lot of it that never gets appreciated is a lot of the background stuff, the shots and, you know, the not necessarily the performance of some individuals, but things that people put a lot of stock into that maybe they don't see. Um, the way it was set up, I can definitely get behind that. But man, this director took a lot of interesting choices that just didn't work out, in my opinion. I will say something as a final thought that I didn't mention earlier that I was a little frustrated by that I wish Tom Hooper did differently. He shot Memory the same way he shot I Dreamed a Dream with Anne Hathaway with the very like close-up at like just her face as she is singing. And I feel like he could have backed up a bit more and let Jennifer Hudson, like just own the scene and not necessarily just have it just on her face because like memory is such a powerful song and she is so talented. I just wish he would have shot that differently because he did some of the same things that he did in, Lame is and even in um, the King's speech. But I mean, at the end of the day, I still quite enjoyed it, but I definitely found things that I wish would have been done differently. And I hope that if Tom Hooper does another musical, he does some different things or he lets other people collaborate with him. (laughs) Okay. I feel like I'm talking about George Lucas, but yeah. you know, it always comes back to George. Always. Oh that Jorge is such a weird individual, especially now pre, or I should say post sequel, uh, uh, prequels era, Star Wars, where you can finally start enjoying things again. Here's a question I wanted to ask you: If you were to pick the next musical for Tom mm. Hooper to direct, what would you have him direct? Hmm. And like I, I said, you can cut this out later if you don't want it. <laughs> I no, I, I have, think I want to keep it in. I would have to defer to Meredith because, like I said, I'm not like I've never seen a Broadway show. I don't know what's out there to be adapted. Right. So, if you want a minute, I did have this loaded as a question because I, I thought this was an interesting. No, part. I think I have an answer, but it's going to be a little controversial. I think, honestly, like I could see him doing another Phantom of the Opera. I don't think there's been enough time, but clearly he's about like these big classical musical theater numbers like Cats, Andrew Lloyd Webber. I feel like I could see him doing Phantom. I just don't want him to do Phantom for another like 10 years. I have an answer now. (laughs) And it's going to be even more controversial. Oh boy. But I have something to back it up. I think he should do Hamilton. Oh, because I don't know if you guys know this, but he direct. Uh, do you guys remember that series, miniseries on HBO, John Adams? Yes. Oh, he directed every single episode of that. Did he now? And if you go back and watch it, you could totally see that it was him because it's every every shot is tilted. Every <laughs> shot is awkwardly framed. I have a new answer now. And I then, have a new answer. <laughs> it's like, so he already has that in his you know, in his wheelhouse. So he could totally do Hamilton. That's so okay, funny, no. Robert. You need to Robert to pull it out. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll do you one better. 1776. 
because that is a musical about when the Declaration of Independence was being ratified. It is making a revival next year. And John Adams is more involved in that plot than he was in Hamilton. So that I would say more than Hamilton put him in, have him direct 1776. Boom. Done. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Wow. (laughs) The step up from the John Adams series. There you go. Honestly, the only reason I picked for, uh, I went for um, Phantom was I didn't, the part of the movie that I really uh, liked was his sense of space and the way that he set everything up. So it really felt like you understood how everything was spaced. And because of how Phantom is done, it really only takes place in like three locations. Mm-hmm. Like you have the theater and then under the theater and then several parts around kind of the theater. So I feel like if he does the same kind of magic he did with the layout of Cats, I think he'd do a really great job here. Not to mention the music. I don't know if you've ever heard the music of uh, Phantom, Robert, but it still kind of fits that same synthy upbeat kind of uh it, it hits those parts a lot of the time isn't it also andrew lloyd Webber? yes or, yes yeah. that's the other thing yeah. so the music really fits together there because when i remember i first saw it in new york i was like this music's weird she's like yeah it's very synthy it's okay it was like it was written in like the eight like not the 80s but um the music was it was him so it's kind of his musical taste i really see him doing that space not to mention if he's doing close-ups and stuff like that, that fits really well because then the reveal of the Phantom's face is going to be one hell of a reveal. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I really like that. Plus the 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 song that the Phantom sings at the end of the movie, I really want to see that put up on, on screen again. Have you seen oh, yeah. the theatrical takes of Phantom? Like there's asking? a Gerard Butler version of Phantom of the Opera. I think that's still the, on Netflix. Uh, I haven't. Version, right? I haven't huh? seen that. Um, what was the director's name? Schumacher, right? Made that? Yeah, Joel, Joel Schumacher. Yeah. Joel Schumacher? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Batman and Robin Schumacher? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> now we gotta watch that to see how terrible. You know what's funny, though? Why why uh, Hamilton popped in my head? Because I saw Hamilton when it was released on Disney+, Plus, right? And I was so into it. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, I love history now. I want more, you know? So I went, I, I sought out uh, the John Adams miniseries. And while I was watching that, I was like, why does this look so odd? Like, why are these, like, why is it framed so weird? And then I noticed Tom Hooper's name on it. There you he go. He also directed Battlefield yeah. Earth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that, Meredith. I have not, actually. The reason, the correlation is the fact that every other shot in that movie is a Dutch angle. So everything's like this. Yeah. Everything's like this. So that's that's the correlation. But th- thank you. That was actually very a very interesting take on um, Tom Hooper, because yeah. those are very interesting, very interesting picks for his his next musicals. Because clearly, like after doing Les Mis, like he wasn't turned off by musicals, and he went and did Cats. So if he's gonna do another musical, why not? Yeah, but well, I would want I would want there to be more space though. If he if the next thing he did was Phantom, I would just want there to be a little more space before he did it. You don't you don't like him moving the camera this close no to i mean like just from <laughs> the last like phantom of the opera movie that's been done i just mm. want there to be a little bit more that time not necessarily mm. you know camera gotcha. space but i would say though he probably got cats 
because Les Mis is such a hit at the box office and critically that they just threw him like a bucket of money to do Cats. And what, it, he probably didn't even want to do it, right? But he probably got so much money that they're like, all right, I'll phone it in. Um, so after the disaster that was Cats, I don't think he's going to get another musical. You don't think so? I, I would highly doubt it. I would be very surprised. Uh, I, I, with such an amount of publicity that went around that movie and how kind of, I, I've heard a lot of people refer to it as a beautiful disaster. I feel like they might roll the dice one more time to see if they can create another cult classic. But that's what they did. They created a cult classic with yeah. cats. I think so. I think so. in the same way that Rocky Horror will be with us for the end of time, people will still go out to see it, even though it is a very terrible movie. That music and that weirdness in it will keep this awful train going. That actually, can I, can I give my final thought? Because that kind of yeah. my final thought. Um, this, this is going to sound kind of weird, but I've always wanted to be part of a cult. Not like a real cult, like, you know, Scientology, but like a, a cult, like a, a, a cult of movie fans, like the Rocky Horror Picture fans, right? Like that dress up, go to the midnight screenings <laughs> and... You know, oh. <laughs> I knew that oh was come off weird. <laughs> but you well, know, the way you think, phrase it, yeah, I, I always know. wanted to be part of. <laughs> I know, I know what reaction that was gonna get. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, I always wanted to be part of a community of film members that like stick to a certain type of film. Like, there's a whole like uh, the room has a huge following, right? Sure. People that go to the midnight screenings and then talk back to the screen, you know, interact with the movie, right? I think Cats is gonna be that too. I've always wanted to be part of that. And you can't force it, right? Like, yeah, I can't just force myself to love Rocky Horror because I've seen it and it's fine, but I don't, I don't, I don't love it, you know? I don't love mm. the room, but I love this. I love watching it. And the one rowdy screening we went to, like, it wasn't there yet, but I could tell that there's going to be, like, in the future, there's going to be, like, more people there who are in the joke, who create things to, like, interact with the movie, ways to interact with the movie. And I can't wait to be a part of that. Like, that's one of the reasons why I want quarantine to end. So I could go back to another screening. <laughs> that's why you want quarantine That's to why. End. That's the one reason. <laughs> Not because I want people to stop suffering. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't know if anybody can beat that final thought. <laughs> I just want to, if I want to put that up in, like, lights or something. It's like, I want to be in a cult, Robert Mesa 2020. <laughs> and the coronavirus, please. So I can go back to watching this. So my final thought is this, this was an interesting experiment. And I think this was somebody's very, very interesting take on cats, but unfortunately it was, and not to point it back to George Lucas, but I think, you know, which quote I'm going to give. I know exactly. what <laughs> Special effects is just a tool. <laughs> <laughs> You, you said it, Fred. Without... Oh, wait, you right. said that? <laughs> I think this is one of those things where they try to interject a plot. It just didn't really fly with me. But I can see how the experience of it can really lend itself to a cult classic. Because, again, I understand that I've been to these, I, I've been to a, like three Rocky Horror Midnight Screenings because they're all, they're awesome, honestly. And they have such an energy to them that has little to nothing to do with the film, <laughs> but you enjoy it because it's part of this huge group. So I can understand that if you've had a taste of that group, I can see how you can fall in love with this movie. But as a person who watched it myself sitting in a room, 
in the middle of the night, kind of embarrassed to be watching this thing. I can't get on board. (laughs) (laughs) The one thing I can say, it was, it was a spectacle and it was interesting to watch. I mean, that's more that can be said about a number of movies. So yeah, well, but nobody's going to beat Robert's quote. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't think I can beat his quote, but I will say that cats was a movie that I wasn't expecting to enjoy. But once I remembered my experience with seeing cats, seeing it on stage and just recognizing, hey, there's really not much to it, but it's just a bunch of cats singing and you just roll with it. I found myself really enjoying it. Plus, I think, as Robert said, like it has the makings of that cult classic, that midnight screening where people have different things that they can like shout at the screen at different parts where Mm -hmm. people dress up, where um, certain musical numbers you like, you sing along to, like I, I saw the beginnings of that with a rowdy screening and I only see it going up from here. And I want to go back to the movie so badly so that I can go to another rowdy screening, but to see other movies in general. But I think that, for everything that Cats was presented to us as, as far as the trailer goes, I was delightfully surprised by the enjoyment I still got out of it anyways. And by that definition alone, like that's a success. That is a win as far as a movie goes, whether or not you get some kind of enjoyment, some kind of reaction out of a movie, like, it's doing something for you. It has succeeded in that way. I never thought I would uh, be singing Jellicle songs for Jellicle cats, but you know, it's catchy and it works. And I'm wearing cat ears right now. So that just shows I'm in it at this point. And I never thought I would find a cult classic that I get so riled up for, but here we are. Skimble Shanks is my cat. You oh, know? My <laughs> oh boy, Meredith. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, both of you, for being on this podcast with me, for even for Ernie in your case, for just even watching it for the sake yeah. of being on here. Like it means a lot. This has been so fun, life-giving, delightful. Really, really thankful for y'all. Robert, where can people find you? Uh, first off, thank you for having us. This is so much fun to talk about this movie. You can find me on any podcast app, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify. Uh, just search In Out Delete. We do a week- weekly podcast. We're still doing it now, even in quarantine, where we review a new movie and an old movie. Yeah, In Out Delete. Ernie, where can people find you? Well, I'm at Neil Ernie. I, I, me and my brother do a podcast right now. It's on pause. But if you've ever wanted to uh, hear me and my brother talk about nonsense, uh, it's at Radio Tunes. Or I should just say Radio Tunes. And you spell tunes T-O-O-N-S. It's like a, you know, a cartoon. But also just to, um, just to give another plug to In Out Delete, uh, they recently did like this Halloween special where they did this... Uh, like it's a old timey radio haunted house kind of thing. And both Meredith and I are in it. So yes, definitely go check yeah. it out. They're on YouTube as well. So yes, I, you can find me there as well. 
because I, I yeah. sometimes get on the In Out Delete uh, podcast yeah. as well. Mer- Meredith has also been on the regular podcast. And if you want to hear her act, you can check out our <laughs> Halloween episodes. <laughs> Both her and Ernie uh, were part of. Yeah. Which I've been so told much, I did Meredith. a better job at acting than Ernie. You know, we so. should let the audience decide that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what it is. Thank you so much for having me on, Meredith. You know, I always have fun talking to you guys. Uh, especially about movies and things like that. Anything to talk about George Lucas and bring that quote to life is always a, a win in my Again, my it's like poetry. <laughs> Just rhymes. <It> rhymes. <laughs> rhymes. I always enjoy talking movies with the two of you, and I long for the day that we could do this in person again. So everybody listening, hey, wear a mask, be safe. We just want to get to the place where we can go see movies again and get to chat in person without worrying about giving each other a disease so Rona. Yep. <laughs> the Rona. and as always you can find me at meredith loftus on twitter and instagram thank you so much for listening and i hope you have a fantastic day see you next time happy <laughs> happy end of 2020 i will see you in 2021 bye guys